Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised, press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. Anya, you seem dispirited, almost like you just lost your best friend in a fiery explosion. What have we just watched? We just... (laughs) Spoilers. We just watched uh, No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie. It's October 7th, 2021. Spoilers ahead. Should we talk a little bit about our our history with the uh, Bond franchise? Are Are you a fan of these pictures? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, do you? We're not, they're not really mysteries, right? But they're thrillers, they're spy kind of stories. So we were like, "Fuck it, it's our podcast. We can do whatever the fuck we want." So we don't power mad. We are. It is. I just want to point out before we. It's twelve oh one. Now it's October eighth. Okay, so we are up at midnight, two adults with jobs, where we have to wake up in the morning. We are talking about this for you. You say jump, we say how high. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I don't know. It, it, what? Oh, the question um, was what was, what was your history with the franchise? Okay, so I, I like as like a high schooler, I think I like watched all the Bond films with my family, um, and we kind of just like went through all of them on on DVD family setting. Lots of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, except for the awkward Casino Royale scene. I think if you've seen that movie, you know what I'm talking about. I don't have to get into it. 
but um <laughs> otherwise yeah and then i you know uh i think the first one i saw in theaters was skyfall uh, i saw specter in theaters as well and now I just saw this one, uh, No Time to Die in theaters. So to get an idea of where you're coming from, leaving No Time to Die out of it, what would you say is your perfect, your favorite Bond film? Well, I think you and I have discussed this in the past. I don't think there is a perfect Bond film, right? You know, a lot of them have elements that you really love, uh, and then maybe if you glue them all together, you get a perfect film. But a lot of them also have kind of like, you know, 20-minute underwater fight scenes, right? Where, like, it's just bubbles and uh, maybe a shark, and it's like, just kill me. But and I would say uh, my one of my uh, – what are what are my the ones that I really like? I really so the- li- I enjoy some of the Roger Moore ones. I mean, I think Casino Royale is a good film. I, I just I, – I thought that was slick, smart, gritty. I dug it. Uh, I really enjoyed Skyfall. Um, for the older ones, uh, I remember liking The Spy Who Loved Me, but I don't remember a lot of what happened. And it may have just been because there's a character named Anya in it. <laughs> so I felt represented. Didn't you say you like, really loved the song from that movie? No, I don't, I don't like that song. Okay. I, uh, you know, there's ones that are also funny. Like, they're bad, but they're funny bad, right? Like, Live and Let Die is funny bad to me. It's just so over the top and stupid, and, and it's also racist, so that's not good. And but, you always find that amusing. No, I don't find racism amusing, but it's just like, it's so clunky. Why is James Bond trying to do a, a black exploitation film? You know, like it, it's 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 absurd on its face, you know? Well, I'm just uh, a little bit older than yeah, you. Just a little bit. So, so my first Bond movie in the theater was uh, a little bit earlier than uh, Skyfall. Uh, but I'd say my favorite one is probably on Her Majesty's Secret Service because I really uh, was intrigued by all the chances it took and the ways it uh, broke the formula. And that's relevant to not, to tonight's discussion because... They they homage that movie to death. Uh, one of the, the big scenes in on Her Majesty's Secret Service is Bond says to his lady love in that picture, we have all the time in the world. And it turns out to be ironic because they don't. Spoiler warning. Uh, and so in this movie, I, uh, the line, we have all the time in the world, or you have all the time in the world, is used a couple of times. And the movie concludes with the Louis Armstrong, we have all the time in the world from on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah, and okay, so let's, how how should we break this down, I guess, in terms of, I mean, okay, should we just come out with the big spoiler? <laughs> should we just go balls to the wall? Do we, do we, do we start with the beginning? Okay, you, so you don't want me to drop the big explosion on, on the island, so to speak, <laughs> or words <laughs> to that effect. <laughs> so the movie starts with uh, a pretty good action sequence. Yeah. I think I think uh, it actually starts probably not long after the previous movie Spectre ended. That's that's the implication, um, and it's some sort of Italian city. So Bond and his lady love are on some romantic journey, and like all romantic journeys, uh, a key component will be fighting vis- with your lover. <laughs> no, no, visiting the grave of somebody you've had sex with before. Oh yeah, obviously we. <laughs> That's we, made, we made quite a few stops on our honeymoon. <laughs> Went up and down the East Coast visiting uh, the grave sites of people who've known Anya before. Now, Kevin Greenlee. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's going off the rails already. <laughs> and, and so when he visits uh, the grave of his former That's lover. Berlin from Casino Royale. He is immediately attacked by a bunch of assassins from the the big baddie group Spectre. And so he uh, assumes that they could only possibly know he was there if his lady love Madeline betrayed him to Spectre. And so they break up. Can I just say, and this is maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna express mixed feelings about this film. Some things I liked, some it, it's I'm not ambivalent. Some things I really liked, some things I really didn't like. And one of the things I really didn't like was that is basically a badly written rom-com level misunderstanding driving a couple apart. That's that's a that's like 
Bond steps out and seeing Madeline talking to a dashing man in a suit and being like, I guess she doesn't love me and walking away and Madeline being like, no, that was my brother. I mean, like, that is just It was fucked. like an episode of Three's Company. Yeah. And what's even more <laughs> frustrating to me is later on in the picture, uh, Blowfield. Uh, Blowfeld. The- <laughs> <laughs> Blowfeld reveals what really happened was Madeline didn't betray him at all. It's just that Blofeld knew it. It's common sense that someday you would visit this grave. And so I took the simple precaution of having a squadron of my most elite assassins stationed at this grave 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, just waiting for the time you'd stumble by. And Bond said, yeah, that makes sense. That kind of explains it all. <laughs> cut to cut to uh, some random guy walking along in the grave ro- a graveyard and, and looking over and being like, is that the woman from Penny Dreadful? And then boom! <laughs> Bunch of guys on motorcycles going <laughs> shooting at him. <laughs> Do you think that happened? Do you think there were there, there were times they yeah. accidentally killed the wrong guy? I, th- I think it happened probably like five times. I mean, maybe they didn't even kill them. Maybe they're like, oh, sir, 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 I'm... I'm so sorry, dusting the man off. So sorry. Uh, uh, we'll, 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 you know, take one of our motorcycles. You know, it's it's on the house. You know, making a mistake like that, you want to obviously, you know. Well, they put erasers on pencils. Exactly. It's a mistake. It's a friendly mistake. But I mean, in this case, I, I, I what pissed me off is I hate when movies rely on some sort of big misunderstanding that requires our characters who are supposed to be competent uh, and and savvy to start acting like dumbasses yeah we're also supposed to believe that bond and madeline have a great extra close relationship and how close and how much in love could they be if they never even talk about this i mean i i i don't know it's it's not like um, it's, it's not like I have a bunch of uh, secrets that um, you don't know about that could, uh, you know, come crashing down on our happy love affair here. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. If you find any masks falling out of any of my pockets, you know, just <laughs> that, that's probably <laughs> some Mardi Gras shit or something. I don't know. <laughs> well, we're, we're talking about that after this. <laughs> We're done recording this episode. Meanwhile, there's a guy in a mask standing behind you, and I'm going like, no, 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 no not yet. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's like, how much could they be in love? And I get that they're both supposed to be like, oh, we're so mysterious international people who do spy shit, and, you know, my dad was in Spectre, and oh, I'm James Bond. But, like, I don't know. It's just, I, it felt very soap opera. The opening felt very soap opera to me. The, the fun action scenes, you know, are fun, but the the plot stuff feels very like late on thick. Excuse me. Oh. <laughs> no time to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> You're proud of that. Love uh, it when you make yourself snort. Oh, that was pretty Welcome good. to my life, I ladies and ha- gentlemen. I need to have some fun here. So then then uh in the story it says like five years later. Bond has retired and is living on an island. Jamaica. Jamaica. And A reference to Ian Fleming's time in Jamaica. Yes. And his old friend, uh, Felix Leiter, and one of Felix Leiter's associates, uh, comes by and says, Bond, why don't you go and have an adventure in Cuba? And, you know, Bond kind of dithers me. He says, okay, yeah, sure. I'll go have an adventure in Cuba. That's how you get bad pigs, folks. <laughs> so he goes and he has his adventure in Cuba, which uh, involves uh, there's some sort of uh, scientist working with, uh, would you call it germ warfare? Yeah, germ warfare for for MI6, right? Or is it M16? Who knows? We, I, don't, I don't remember. I think it's MI6. He's working for England, and he gets sort of... I couldn't really figure this out, but like kidnapped slash extracted from the lab. By Spectre. Now he's in Cuba. And so let's have Bond go have an adventure in Cuba. Sure. And it's actually a pretty fun adventure. I liked I liked this part. Although I will say this. I mean, 
they go to the Spectre, so it's Bond infiltrating the Spectre party with party with like an inexperienced female agent. Um and like in the first in the first Daniel Craig Bond film in Casino Royale, it's kind of a whisper of like maybe Spectre or maybe maybe something's going on, some bad organization that's sort of like doing all this stuff in the shadows. And you're kind of like, ooh, cool. But it's really very much like shark from Jaws syndrome, where the more we see of Spectre, the less intimidating and interesting it becomes. Okay, Spectre, I thought Spectre sucked. I did not like Spectre. It had some fun moments, but I thought it generally I I hated it. Um and, and and I think it suffered from, you know, like, we know too much about Spectre now. And then they go to this Spectre party, and it's, like, a bunch of weird-looking middle-aged people milling around at, like, a, what looks like a kind of boring party. And it's like, ooh, so intimidating. And then they all die. Well, it, it, the key thing here is that Blofeld, or Blofield, uh, Blofeld is incarcerated in some maximum security facility in England where his every movement is watched and under observation. But somehow, uh, his Spectre buddies have this cool disembodied electronic eye, which they carry around on a tray at this party. And that eye represents Blofeld. It allows him to see what's going on and talk, just like eyes are wont to do. Kind of like he's like oh it's like a remote workplace he's doing what I do I just zoom in to everyone they carry around the eye around insider's office I say hi to everybody go to you know go to the parties that way interview sources that way it's pretty convenient <laughs> pandemic life you know <laughs> um yeah and, and, and this eye sees Bond and says okay Bond we have this uh, certain weapon that's going to kill you and just you. Because of a wacky mix-up, the scientist had changed it so it would kill everybody but Bond, basically. No, he did that on purpose, the scientist. Yes. For reasons that aren't clear at this point. And then, and then, okay, so that all kind of was like, whatever. But then uh, Bond and this, this Bond girl kind of lady who's working with him have a cool shootout. And there's actually... This is like an inexperienced agent in Cuba. Yeah, but she's like really good at guns and stuff. So that was kind of fun to see. It's kind of like a classy party turned into a gunfight. And there's also in the mix um, James Bond's replacement, uh, the new 007. And she's also competing against the CIA in order to extract the Russian scientist who poisoned everybody. So she's also sort of uh, trading bullets with everybody. And they're both kind of trying to get this guy out of there. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, Bond's team wins at this point. So they get this scientist and they take him out to uh, a boat where Felix Leiter and his associate Felix are. Leiter is the CIA version of James Bond, so he's, like, a tacky American usually in these films. Yes. But, like, Bond's buddy. It, later on in the picture, Bond refers to him almost as his brother. He's He's been in a lot of the James Bond films. In one, he gets... Fed to a shark on his wedding day. <laughs> and when does it, when does it, something awful happen to his wife on his wedding that day? That was too? to say she got raped and murdered on his wedding day. That was the same movie that was licensed to kill. Timothy Dalton. Timothy Dalton. We love him. I mean, I love Timothy Dalton. I liked his Bond. But only two films, partially because the whole wedding day thing. <laughs> a, little, a little too intense for uh, this franchise. Um, so turns out that the creepy American with Felix is bad. Saw that coming. And uh, he shoots and kills Felix. So that's kind of sad. They all sink in a boat. <laughs> uh, but Bond gets out. Yeah. And it's like, you're kind of already like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of a bummer. That sucks. But it's kind of uh, setting up kind of a theme. Yeah, like, everybody's dying. Oh, wonder who'll die next. Yes. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana. Where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind. 
with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. This movie, I don't know. Like, now I'm talking about it. I'm like, what the fuck was this? <laughs> yeah, we should say that after we saw the movie, we basically rode home in silence. <laughs> Awkward silence. No, let's give a little preview. So there were a bunch of guys sitting next to Kevin, and then there was, like, a couple sitting next to me. And, like, the, the you know, the when we started the film, uh, the guys next to Kevin seemed like they were smiling, and they were like, oh, you know, oh, boy. And the, and the, and the lady and the guy next to me were kind of joking and, like, tittering at all, like, the James Bond one-liners throughout the film. And at the end of this film, everybody's stone-faced. Everyone, no one clapped. Everyone sort of uh, shuffled out. <laughs> Looking stricken, including us. So, a little bit of a spoiler. Uh, Although I knew it was coming. Because yeah. I, I read the spoilers. Kevin, Kevin doesn't, Kevin gets worried that things are going to, I guess spiral out of control in the film, and he won't understand what's going on. So we looked up. Well, there, there were hints in the press that certain things might happen in the movie, and so I didn't want to spend the whole movie wondering was this going to happen or not. So uh, I just looked it up. So in terms, okay, so what happens next? Yeah, so they have to get this germ thing back, and oh, what does it have anything to do with Madeline James Bond's lady love past? What's going on? So they he reunites with Madeline to see what information she has, and he learns that uh, she has a daughter. And she's Blofeld's psychiatrist, because that makes a lot of sense. They're like, oh, she's the only one he'll talk to. Okay, whatever. Uh, she ends up getting intercepted by the big bad guy whose name escapes me. What's that actor's name? Yeah, Rami Malek. He's he's this kind of um. He's this guy. He tr- so basically the opening is he tries to kill Madeline and her mother, who of course are the family of uh one of the bad guys from Casino Royale, and who's now long dead. Um, he he killed the mom, but then he didn't kill the little girl. Like he spared her basically, and he's all disfigured from getting poisoned along with his entire family by Spectre. So he he wants revenge against Spectre, essentially. Um, his character motivation didn't really come together for me, in my opinion. And then somehow he's going to use this chemical weapon stuff to wipe out large swaths of the population. I didn't really understand how, like, <laughs> doing that made sense in terms of avenging his family. And then suddenly everybody is on this island where he's manufacturing all these weapons. He has uh, Madeline and the child. Madeline and the child escape. Uh, Bond ends up being infected with the the virus, and uh, missiles are being fired at the island, and uh, it explodes, killing Bond. So kind of like a Rogue One type of ending. Bond watching the missiles coming in and then uh, explodes and killing him. You know what the thing I thought of was when we were watching this, and I said this to you in the car, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it to our audience too, because if if you if you watched Avatar: The Last Airbender, great great cartoon, great sh- great show. Um, there's an episode called The Ember Island Players, where the kids who are you know on the run for the government sort of sneak into a play about themselves and sort of see how their stories are portrayed by the Fire Nation, their adversaries, and it's a whole play about them. And at one point, they witness something that none of them actually have seen uh, because it happened for them off screen. It's like something they're learning about, uh, and it's basically their their old nemesis, a kid named Jet is basically crushed by a rock, you know, and, and of course it's done very fakely on stage, but they're all watching this and they look kind of horrified. And one of the characters says, did Jet just die? <laughs> and I felt like that sitting there, like, what the fuck? 
you felt genuinely shocked. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, and I know that's a big thing that nowadays storytellers try to do is shock you. They want the twist. You didn't see that coming. You didn't think we'd do that. And it's like sort of like sometimes that's good, right? Like sometimes that's good. I didn't I didn't expect the, the this person to breathe fire out of their mouths. It was really cool. But then other times it's like I didn't, you know, expect you to like stumble off the stage and fall on your face, right? So like shocking's not always good for me. And I'm sort of still sitting on this whether I think it was a kind of a daring and interesting move or whether I thought it was kind of just a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know. You asked me in the car, is this why we go to a James Bond movie? Yeah. To, to watch him die. I mean, I'll tell, I mean, so, I don't know. I don't I don't really think it is. And I don't want to just be reactionary and be like, well, no, Bond has to be the biggest boy and beat up all the, you know, bad guys and all that. Like, I, you know, because maybe there is, maybe, maybe this is a worthwhile storytelling uh, of him kind of sort of sacrificing himself for love. But I don't know. I don't know how I, I, I'm I'm really conflicted about it. I give them credit for doing something very different. Uh, it just kind of struck me as very sad. I, I teared up when he was saying goodbye to Madeline and his kid. And I, like, I was crying. And But then afterwards, I just kind of felt like, yikes. It's kind of heavy, man. <laughs> it's kind of sad. <laughs> I get that they wanted to really ring out Daniel Craig, who I think has been a, a very good Bond, um, kind of with a, a big bang, <laughs> literally in this case. But I guess I just, I, I don't know. I, I was kind of just speechless. I kind of like the idea of the story having an ending. If Bond just always lives and sees another day there's ultimately no consequences for everything and it felt like the daniel craig movies for better or for worse were all basically tied together uh and so this kind of uh concludes the story started in casino royale yeah but when you kind of drift this far from sort of the what the character has been it sort of stops feeling like a Bond movie and feels like something. And without that, what is it? It's kind of just a bunch of stuff happening. And I, I felt like maybe the ending was emotionally powerful in a sense where, you know, it was upsetting. It was sad. Um, I would have loved it. Maybe it would have been more affecting or maybe I would be more feeling positive about it now if I felt they'd really gotten me there with Madeline and Bond's relationship. Everyone loved that's from Spectre. And listen, I, I get it. I mean, they're good actors. I, 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 I'm, I'm rooting for them. Yes. But like all of the bullshit in the beginning of this, like, oh, you have a child. Oh, I mean, it just feels like fucking. Yeah. You also said you were, you didn't know what you thought about Bond having a child and Bond being a father. Days uh, of our spies. I mean, it was, it was, it was just, it's like soap opera. I guess, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden it turns out into like daddy daycare where he's, you know, running, you know, he's going running through the forest with the kid and all this stuff. And it's, I don't know. I give him credit for doing something different. You know, you also enjoy the Fast and Furious franchise and Dom had a kid in that. Did that bother you? No, I don't have anything against fatherhood being portrayed on screen. I'm just... That's not a that's not a role you typically see Bond in, yeah. you know, a, a, ever. So, doing that is different. I don't think different is necessarily bad, but I just sort of felt like, I mean, w would you would you want to watch a Fast and Furious movie where they just like didn't go near any cars? <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel like that much of a departure to you? I mean, they killed off Bond. Yes, that's a that's a pretty dramatic departure, don't you think? Yes. Also, he's basically 
monogamous in this film. Like you never, I mean, you, I mean, like he he dumped Madeline at the beginning, but you never see him with another woman romantically at all. Mm-hmm. He, he, you know, he that's the love of his life. You know, I mean, that's very different. I'm not saying different is bad. I just that's that's a big departure. And then like for most of the movie, or, or for at least the kind of as the action really starts rising, he's in this kind of paternal role where now he has a a small child who he's kind of caring for and like is very different. I mean, I'm inclined to, I'm inclined to give it a lot of points for being different and, and kind of daring to be, I don't know, very emotional. Um, Definitely going to dock points for it being way too fucking long. It felt like I, part of the problem and part of the reason I think I'm having trouble like parsing out how I feel about it is like it just went on and on and on and on. And like there are just points where you're kind of like, yo, I guess that happened too, you know? And it's, I didn't, I didn't feel it should have been that long. It was visually interesting. I liked, I liked a lot of that, you know, the cinematography, the direction in that sense. Some good action scenes for sure. For a while, we thought Spectre was going to be the final Daniel Craig Bond film. How do you think this compares to Spectre as the end of the Craig Bond era? This is definitely, I mean, I told you this in the car, though. I think filming a ham sandwich for like five hours would have been better than fucking Spectre. I hate that movie. That movie really rubbed me the wrong way. It was like, oh, you know that kind of like that gritty realism you were going for? Actually, your evil stepbrother was behind everything. Woo-hoo-hoo. Ugh. Blech. Fuck that movie. I hated that. But so this was definitely better than that, for sure. I like the chances it took. The things that annoyed me the most about it were the things that I felt like I've seen before. You know, the Secret Island Headquarters the scene where the big bad guy makes a speech to bond about how the two of them aren't really all that different. <laughs> I just thought of the scene in venture bros where, 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 uh, Samson's like, someone's like saying, you know, you and I are in that different. He's like, yeah, yeah. I get this speech a lot. <laughs> did you feel that the death scene was genuinely moving or did you feel, what did you feel about that? I felt the death scene, number one, was really prolonged. It's like they were trying to twist the emotional knife to wring out as much as they could out of it. And I think I said earlier it was a little bit reminiscent of Rogue One, where that movie ends with the characters looking off into the sunset as flaming death approaches them. And that's basically what happened in here. It was very reminiscent of that. I felt... Like, and I think that's actually what you kind of hit upon is sort of what maybe, because you know me, you know, you know me, I'm a fucking sucker for a big sob fest. I am. But there was something a little bit manipulative about this one that I'm kind of like, hmm, maybe some subtlety, maybe some restraint would have been the thing to do here. Yes, he has, he has what feels like a prolonged teary goodbye with uh madeline and then also even before that uh they make a big deal about oh now bond you've been infected with the virus that means you could never touch anyone again without killing them and that just felt like an unnecessary element just to make it all seem more tragic and sad yeah i felt you know if it felt it would have been more shocking maybe if they kind of uh played their cards a little closer to their vest for longer and then really boom, you know, uh, would have been a little bit more interesting. And I, I, I mean, again, you, you said it, you hit the nail on the head earlier, the relationship between bond and Mad and Madeline on the one hand, they're soulmates, they're eternal lovers, they're eternal star crossed, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, they don't talk to each other. He dumped her for five years over, you know, very flimsy. You know, he 
couldn't he have just assumed that like Spectre wanted him dead anyway and wanted to fuck with him and like he had a brother like he had a like a guy he was raised with who like was always doing shit like that and like always manipulating it like 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 but like your first thought is like let me dump her on the Italian Amtrak and bounce you know I mean if you did that to me every time I made a mistake or a, you know something weird happened here I mean <laughs> then we'd be together forever Aww. You wouldn't dump my ass on the Amtrak. <laughs> Get on here. <laughs> Get on here, toots. But I don't have a ticket. <laughs> yes. then, you, then, you, then you see Holmes and Watson from the Basil Rathbone Nigel Bruce series running to catch the train just ruins the moment. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, I convince me... Maybe instead of convincing me that these are the most, you know, beautiful lovers, love of each other's lives, maybe convince me that there was a really intense spark there. And both of them were always sort of in denial about it. Because then oh. that feels realistic. You mean sometimes people might feel strong feelings for each other and try to deny it and fight it? Exactly. Uh, never could happen. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Why do Bond and Madeline have to be separated for five years? Why couldn't they have just stayed together and then this crisis entered their lives? There's a very specific reason why. Because then they couldn't do the child surprise. Yeah. That's why. They needed, they needed the child in there to, you know, I don't know. And and that's what I that's where I'm that's where my issue is with not that Bond needs to never become a father or really fall in love with somebody because then it quote unquote ruins the character. I just feel like I wasn't quite sold on structuring the entire story around those two elements because it felt like it wasn't quite there. And we should say that when he meets the child, who seems to be of an age that she was probably born about nine months after they broke up, uh, Madeline says, oh, that's not your child. And so then later on, it's supposed to be kind of an emotional shock when we realize, my, by gum, that really is Bond's child. And that kind of falls flat because we all know. We all know whose child that is all along. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's so it's like it's 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 not it's like this. We've been watching a lot of Law, Law and Order recently, so it's like maybe in the early part of the Law and Order episode, the the prosecutors know who did it. This is the guy who did it. This is the murderer, the culprit, but the evidence is contradicting and not quite there yet and they have to send the detectives out to go back and gather more evidence or kind of clear up the story so the motive or the means becomes clear and then they go back and they they convict the son of a bitch so i feel what we had here was like the early part of the law and order episode where like if we bring this case to a jury we're gonna get an acquittal or a mistrial mm -hmm. You know, we're not we're not in the place where we can convict. And to me, to do it to do such a departure from the formula from the character is admirable, but just like the prosecutors are admirable to go for a conviction against somebody who's a murderer, but I'm gonna need a lot more substance and, and an airtight case before you you know, you bring that up, I think. And I think that goes frankly for any sort of successful formula if you're gonna switch things up do it get clever get interesting but you know really make sure you're convincing because if it's just another movie where he goes around and fights people and you know it's spying on people and doing shit like that you know we've already all bought into that formula but if you're asking us to sort of suspend ourselves from that formula and look beyond it then you got to really bring that story together. And I didn't really feel like this was there. How about this? I'm, I'm still fixating on the five-year split. What if the attempt 
on his life at the beginning of the picture makes him realize that no matter what he does, people are always going to come after him and he's always going to be a target. And so if he keeps Madeline with him, she will be in danger. And so out of love, he wants her to go away and be safe. And she seems a little bit reluctant to do it, but she does. And it's only later we find out that she agrees to go off and be away from him and be safe because she recently learned she was pregnant and she felt an obligation to protect her child. Would that have worked? You're making a face. That's pretty cliched, right? Yeah. And isn't always the thing in these movies where it's like, you can't be with me. You have to be safe. You need to go away. And then they immediately get kidnapped anyways. Because yeah. it's like, maybe the person would be safer if they were near the person who was always saving the day. Yeah. Just, just, that was just a real problem for me, that five-year separation. Yeah. I, I think your way would have been maybe made everybody a little bit... That would have made James Bond smarter. That would have made Madeline smarter if they both mutually agreed, like, yes, like, we, you know. I mean, this is the problem with having a character like this fall in love, right? You need to, you know. Okay, okay, let's also just talk, let's talk about the other issue. It's not just a one-way street with motivation, right? (laughs) James Bond and Madeline, the good guys, have to have motivation. So do the bad guys. You know, so so is Spectre just devoting all of its fucking resources to f- messing around with one dude's love life? Is that what you're telling me? Like, <laughs> like Jesus Christ! I mean, like, are are like terrorists gonna just start going on Tinder and like fucking with like CIA operatives or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> that'd be pretty clever. Broke my heart, man. <laughs> Like, like, to me, when you think of, I mean, like, this is an obvious comment, but, like, if you want to be really clever, if you want to be good in these movies, you got to make your villains be doing shit that makes sense. <laughs> and I didn't feel like that was there at all. Certainly not with Spectre, where it's just, like, Oh, uh, Blofeld's in jail. You know, like, these are all evil villains. All they do is sit around, pet their white cats, rub their hands together, cackle, and, you know, shoot henchmen for looking at them, you know, the wrong way. So you're telling me that all these people, you know, these fucking psychopaths were like, you know what? Blofeld got arrested. But you know what? We should let him still run the show. I, I don't want it. I'm, I'm a humble man. I'm just a... A Cincinnatus of evil, you know? It really should be Blofeld. Like, no one else sees power or all this shit. We're, we're supposed to buy that. And I don't know. I mean, like, and, and also, let's... Blofeld, Blofeld's vendetta against Bond is the thing that landed his ass in solitary confinement. But you know what? Let's keep that going. That, that's been really good and beneficial for our fucking organization. Not making millions of dollars doing evil shit... Or doing whatever we want, but like specifically fucking with one operative. You see, like M going outside the the office, and I was just wondering, like, couldn't somebody just come up and like fucking kill him right then? You know, like I mean, like there's other people in the organization that Spectre should be probably aware of that mm-hmm. they could also fuck with, and then that would actually make sense. And Skyfall sort of got that where M was the target, not Bond. And that was almost like, yeah, that makes sense. She's the fucking head of the organization. She's, I mean, where, where's, where's, I mean, where's a, uh, uh, Ray Fine's enemies in this? But like, I mean, it, they're just so singularly focused on Bond. It almost has become stupid, <laughs> you know. You're talking yourself into really disliking this picture. There's something. That's something really. There's something that I can't quite dislike about it, though. I don't know. A lot of it pissed me off. I felt like maybe if it had gone through a couple more... There's some real inherent issues, right? So I don't know if I could say that a couple more drafts would have fixed it. But... there's There was a spark of something there that I did like. What about you? Uh, 
I thought it was one of the better Daniel Craig Bond pictures because I thought Quantum of Solace and Spectre were quite poor. And I feel this was better than either of those. To me, the ranking is Casino Royale by far. Skyfall. This and Quantum of Solace, I don't know. Quantum of Solace is more boring generic. This is more out there. This is probably gets more points for being daring. And then a Spectre dead last. And then it's always confusing to me too. Uh, is the Daniel Craig Bond supposed to be the same character played by uh, Roger Moore and Sean Connery? And one thing that raised that for me in this movie, you were talking about M. There is a scene where he is in an office or something, and on one wall behind him is a, a, is a painting of Judy Dench, who played him before him. And then on another wall is a painting of the actor Bernard Lee, who played M in the Roger Moore and Sean Connery pictures. So if M was Bernard Lee in this universe, does that mean all those movies took place in this universe? Or am I just really, really overthinking this? You're, re you're really fucking overthinking this, man. <laughs> Honestly, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> You could say that about anything we've said this evening. I know, but like that just, that question bores me. I don't know. It's like basically, I don't care because the writers don't care. The writers had Roger Moore standing over the previous guy, George, George Lazenby's wife's grave, right? Mm -hmm. That's where it opens up. So, like, <laughs> if George Lazenby was just a single person and he only did bond adventures once because his love is, of his life got killed then why the hell's roger moore visiting the grave you know what i mean i think is he just like wow this guy got this guy got really tripped up on something so oh, i'm in town i might as well stop by <laughs> here you know it, it it doesn't make any sense you could you could really make an argument either way but either way it doesn't quite add up you know because the writing's not consistent and that just feels like trying to over put like I wouldn't want the filmmakers to get too crazy with that because then that would feel like, you know, you're trying to color in the lines when nothing's drawn properly and it just wouldn't work. I just, I, I'd rather it be kind of like impressionistic, if that makes sense, because otherwise the whole fabric of the series sort of starts to just crumbles, fall apart, right? And I'm, when we talk about spoilers, uh, I made a point of looking up the complete story of this movie before we went to see it. You didn't. What do you think about spoilers? I, I don't, I mean, I see your point where you want to know what's going on. I sort of sometimes like to be surprised. I'm sure there would be situations in, in this film, like if something really horrible, gory or something happened, I would probably have wanted to know going into it. But it was just a chance I figured I'd take since I knew we were going to be seeing it pretty quickly. I, I'll look up spoilers sometimes. I I'm, I'm I definitely do that. But with this, it was like sort of like, I don't know. I was like, let's see what they do. Because then I get more into it in a movie, I think. Right. One thing I did look up, or at least I saw a think piece on it, people were saying, you know, there's no point to sort of James Bond in the modern era because filmmakers are not willing to, like, make Russia or China the opposing superpower enemy. Didn't we talk about this? Did we? I thought I was one that made that point to you. Oh, I'm sorry. There was also a think piece. Apparently <laughs> you were published somewhere. <laughs> Do you think that's what, what I, refresh my memory on what your point was on that? Uh, when we talked about it, we talked about how the foreign box office is so much more important these days than it used to be. And you can't alienate, say, the Chinese box office by having the villain be the Chinese government. And you can't uh, alienate any other foreign governments by making their government be the villain because that will affect the box office in that country. So because of that, you always have to have your villain be someone who is unaffiliated with any other country. Right. And is that it, what the piece? That's basically what it was saying. Like, and, and like, I mean, the thing though is like, you know, like 
I could also understand it from the perspective of like you don't want to just make it out almost like you know oh you should be suspicious of Chinese people because you know they're all bad according to this James Bond film right I could see that but also yeah it becomes ridiculous when you're talking about spycraft when spycraft is alive and well between different large global powers and and that a lot of I mean a lot of that's from nation players back and forth right so to sort of not I mean I guess this kind of acknowledged that with saying like oh Russia and China and Japan are all pissed off that we're fucking around in this on this island you know that's contested but um you know but in the James Bond universe uh independent terrorists basically who are much more devastating and much more powerful than, say, Osama bin Laden, rise up every couple of years. I mean, it's probably the... I, I'm going to make... I, this, I did not intend this to be a pun, but it's a pun. Specter of Osama bin Laden himself, right? Where, you know, you know, United States is like, da-da-da, we won the Cold War, ha-ha-ha, and then, you know, 9-11, right? Mm. And it's like, that sort of maybe is haunts these films to a to a larger degree since uh casino royale because i mean think about where we went we went from die another day to like ooh pierce brosnan surfing on a big cgi wave we won the cold war folks to like james bond getting his balls whipped in a basement with daniel craig so like the tonal shift i think i mean i'm sure this point has been made a billion times but i'm sure has a lot to do with uh the time period in which, you know, we're talking about here. You know, it doesn't super bother me either way, honestly, you know, but I, I, it's interesting. I just wonder what will be next. Yeah. What, what, what direction do you think they should go in to the next James Bond be his daughter? Oh God. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I I think I don't know. I like to be entertained with James Bond films. That, you know, like I like them to be fun. And you did not find this one to be fun. I found elements of it at points to be fun. I thought that Havana fight was fun, that was stylish, slick. I even found him shooting up a staircase to be kind of a fun scene. Like, I was like, that's, you know, you know, like, exciting scene. I think it was all done in one shot. Um, the look on your face, I saw someone who had just seen the movie uh, Infinity War, which ends with half of the Avengers and half of the population of Earth being wiped out. And that person just looked completely shell-shocked and stunned. That's how you looked after this movie was over. I don't feel so good, Mr. Stark. Yeah, I just, it was it was upsetting, you know? You're kind of like, I mean, with him, it's like, they're kind of like, I, one thing I thought was a little bit ridiculous, and you said this too, where, you know, like, in, like, like Casino Royale's like, you know, he, he's almost starting out, and then like two movies in, he's like an ancient dinosaur, you know, who the world doesn't need anymore. And it's sort of like, I don't know. That that just seems kind of dumb. I get the point they're making, right? Where they're saying, okay, a lot of James Bond in the past actions of like treating women poorly and stuff is is, is really outdated. So I'm not I'm not criticizing that. It's just more of like with this particular iteration, they were saying he was really old very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that was kind of funny. I don't even know how old Daniel Craig is. I'm gonna look it up. You wanna guess how old he is? Don't look it up. Guess. I'm not. Uh, I'm gonna say fifty-one. No. Am I? Give me, give me where to go. Fifty-three. Oh, I was close. Yeah. That means he's very young. Carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at Carmax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Should we talk a little bit just about the experience of going to a theater again? Sure. What, do you, what did you think of that? Uh, in this COVID, uh, post-COVID era, it's kind of interesting to go to the movie theater again. It's never as crowded as it used to be. And one thing, uh, we saw this movie. We saw this movie at an AMC. And so before the picture started, there was lots of uh little clips and stuff designed to convince you that AMC is the best, most magical place ever. And the one that's most bizarrely delightful is Nicole Kidman, the big smile on her face, sauntering through a completely empty AMC theater, smiling and saying, there's no place like the movies. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fucking weird. They did this with uh, Fast and Furious, too, where they had, like, uh, Vin Diesel get out there and be like, no place like the silver screen. And then, you know, it, it's just they're trying to they're trying desperately to get people back in the seats, right? But it's just kind of amusing the kind of weird commercials they'll pull to t- try to tug on your heartstrings. You know, as, as a, I guess, Kevin, what I want to ask you, though, about, about this picture, as a fella. Yes. How how did you feel about this iteration of 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 Bond in this in this movie? Sort of like making him the dad, making him you know a man in love with a woman. I liked it. You liked him being a dad. I I think if you have a, a character played, if you make the choice to have a character played by a fifty three year old man. Either you totally ignore it and you do like a view to a kill with Roger Moore, where he is an elderly man making time with sexy young ladies and no one, he looks near death, no one comments on it, and everybody just acts like he's a uh, 27-year-old young chippy. Yeah, it's really weird and creepy when you see like a way older guy with a younger woman in her 20s, right? Exactly. It's like no one wants to see that. It's just, just it turns your stomach to think about Disgusting. it. Disgusting. Or the other approach you can take is uh, to embrace what would uh, a James Bond at the age of 53 be? What is what is a middle-aged, what sort of life events does a middle-aged man have? So it, it's inter. I don't know if I'd like to see a long series of middle-aged Bond, elderly Bond. <laughs> Bond breaks out of the nursing home. But it, it's nice to see, at least occasionally, a minor break with the formula. This is what a slightly older version of Bond might be. Yeah, so I, 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 I enjoyed that. that. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, I don't... I didn't have fun, but I also didn't hate it. Now, part of me is mad because I'm like, I go to a James Bond movie to have fucking fun. And after Spectre, I wanted a rousing good time. But uh, I can't hate that they did something a little bit different with the storytelling, even though I will say that I did not think the storytelling was there to support that that particular story at this point. I wish they had been a little bit um, more thought put into some of that. And there are parts of the film you said were fun. You, you said you thought the Cuban sequence was very sexy. That was fun. I like that. I like that lady's dress. I thought she was fun. Yes, I also liked the dress. She. Oh, I know you did. She was a good mix of, like, at first you're like, "Uh uh-oh, she's going to be really inexperienced. But then she's, like, just gunning people down, and she's, like, really good at it. So you're like, all right, that's cool. Um, I was disappointed she was in the film for such a short time. Yeah, she was fun. I liked her. Uh, Felix Slider dying was kind of a bummer. I thought it was dumb. So the new 007... At one point, was like, you know what, Bond? Like, I respect you. You can have your numbers back. And I thought that was kind of dumb because it's like she's been doing this job for a, a while and for, you know, 
he's been gone for five years. Like, like if, like if one of my colleagues disappeared and they'd been the senior reporter before me and, and then they came back and was doing a big story with me, I wouldn't just stand up and be like, you know what? You can have the title back. I'd be like, no, fuck you. I earned this. <laughs> I get, I get what they were trying to do there, but I just, I thought that was kind of. They wanted him to die as 007. Yes. I so I get that, but I, I thought that was kind of. She doesn't have to bend the knee just because he happened to have the job before her. I don't know. The the new W 007, uh, I frankly found less interesting than the Cuban agent. She's because she was wearing that sexy dress. Oh, you mean that dress you said you liked? Yeah, that you said you liked. I don't remember that. Oh yeah, it's on tape, baby. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a real, it was a real mix. So speaking of, so there, there is this new 007 and James Bond and they're on a mission and near the end of the mission, they've rescued Bond's love and his daughter and they have a boat and somebody needs to stay behind to do some stuff on the island. And Bond sends his Madeline and his daughter off with the new 007 who is the most experienced agent agent most in shape the agent who actually is an agent and he stays behind and i thought wouldn't it have made more sense for this man to go and be with his love and his daughter and let the mi6 agent stay behind to do the job i agree and also wouldn't it have made more sense for them to send more fucking people? I mean, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I know like, this is a dumb argument, but, like, I know they're always sending in, like, one or two people for these things. But, like, you know, it would have been helpful. I mean, they could have sent, like, eight people. Like, a SEAL Team 6 operation, and, and this would have been probably gone better for everybody, frankly. <laughs> I just thought that was dumb. Like, give me a reason why they can't send more people. And if it's a situation where it's like Bond is just investigating something preliminary, but then he stumbles into something really big and then like he can't he can't call in time to send backup. Okay, I can buy that. Then he's the only guy on the ground. Whatever. In this case, it was like he was in communication with, you know, Q and everybody and everyone was, you know, doing stuff. So, you know. Didn't didn't really sell that for me. Speaking of Q, uh, some uh, things I saw made a big deal about the fact that uh, Q in this movie is revealed to be homosexual. The actor in real life is gay. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think I they didn't make a big deal about it, but it was interesting. Sometimes I feel like these franchises want to get points for that without offending like anti you know homophobic elements you know at the international box office so they want to have their cake and eat it too and i think that's kind of lousy because it's like yeah because it was kind of done in a way that if you know what's there and you're looking for it oh boy but if be very easy to miss i don't think i don't i, I don't give a lot of credit for that anymore where it's like if you want to be supportive of lgbtq people then just do it explicitly and, and take the consequences you don't hiding it or kind of playing it down a little bit feels feels kind of like you're trying to pull one over right yeah but um i mean yeah that was my kind of feeling on that are we gonna are we gonna i guess we're gonna get a whole new squad though i mean i think q's contract is up i imagine that 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 m and and money penny and everybody probably won't be coming back along with daniel craig so it'd be curious to see how they kind of rebuild that Do you think like the new Bond should be Kiefer Sutherland? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're a huge fan of the show 24. I'll be curious about who it is though. But I guess we'll we'll see that. I people are gonna make a big deal about it and probably get really racist if they cast somebody who's not white. But to me I say, who cares? It's just a thing. <laughs> Stop freaking out about everything, guys. 
there's real issues. We don't need to worry about who's going to be James Bond. I'm sure the movies will be fun or or depressing. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they'll just keep killing him off from now on. <laughs> Every movie steps on like, oh boy, what a great day. <laughs> That'd be pretty wild. Just gets killed every movie. Every movie gets a new James Bond. God. Final thoughts? I'm I'm eager to hear your clever and pithy five-star final review. Did you feel that when watching uh, No Time to Die, you had no time to cry? No time to eat pie either. <laughs> I would say that No Time to Die was long on time and long on death, <laughs> but but some of its bold storytelling choices left me shaken and stirred. Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com. We're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s. So all of those spell out two as T O. Thanks, Thanks so, so much, much for, for listening. listening.